Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Well, hello, podcast world. Thank you so much for joining us today on FNO InsureTech. Very excited for today's conversation. I am your co-host, Lee Boyd. Uh, your other co-host, Rob Beller, is unable to attend today, although uh, he very much wishes that he was here. So we wish Rob the best of luck uh, with what he's doing today. Today's podcast is really exciting. I interviewed Ron Davies, President, CEO, and Board Member of Safe Auto Insurance. We're going to get to talk to Ron all about Safe Auto Insurance. They have recently come out uh, with a partnership with Hugo, and we're going to get to talk to him about how they are doing the pay-per-mile, pay-as-you-go thing that's going around. We're going to get to talk to Ron all about InsureTech. Safe Auto Insurance is a InsureTech before InsureTech was cool, as he likes to say. And then we're going to get to dive into a little bit about him, which is very exciting. He's a fascinating person. So sit back and enjoy this conversation with Ron Davies, President and CEO of Safe Auto Insurance. Well, hi, everybody. We are excited to have Ron Davies on from Safe Auto. Welcome, Ron. Oh, thank you, Lee. Thanks for having me. Yes, we are very excited to have you on. Safe Auto is an insurance company that I feel like I know. I mean, your marketing is so good. I feel like I, I see the Safe Auto marketing everywhere. Thank you, Lee. We appreciate that. Certainly, uh, we have to find a way to you know be seen, be heard, be considered, and given our size and budget relative to some of the other players in the marketplace, we have to continue to try to be creative in, in how we do that. Yeah, I think you do a wonderful job with that. Well, let's talk about you a little bit. Where do we have you calling in today from? I'm just from outside of Columbus, Ohio, where uh, Safe Auto was founded in uh, 1993. So we've been here about, we just had our 28th birthday and uh, wow. I'm working from home like many, many others of these days, right? So Yes. Have y'all opened up the office at all and gone back to the work at home or were y'all, or has it been work at home ever since? Uh, it's pretty much been work at home ever since. We've done some different teams and tests. You know, there are different people have different desires to be back together and uh, in the office. So we, you know, I, I would say our mantra is stay flexible and listen to all, what our team wants to do. And uh, obviously COVID continues to evolve. Right. Hot spots and things like that. But we were already pretty dispersed before uh, COVID hit uh, in early 2020 with 70% of our contact center was already working from home. And gosh, probably half of our claims team was also working remotely. So uh, we just had to kick the rest of us out of the building, so to speak. So how, how was that? Was that a difficult transition getting all of the, the folks who weren't used to working at home? Was that difficult getting everybody out the door? You know, I, frankly, I thought it was, it went, really easy. Remember back to those moments of time, like March 16th and 17th of yeah. uh, 2020. And, uh, you know, we had been building out a robust infrastructure for my entire tenure, which is at that point about eight years, nine years now. Um, so we literally had March 16th, 17th, sorry, going home, don't come back tomorrow. And uh, th we did, you know, and we flipped it almost uh, on a switch overnight. And, uh, 
you know, there was a little bit of even me getting used to teams. I was not a big teams chat person previously. Yeah. And, you know, so the next day was all, all about teams, right? And uh, teams meetings, team zooms, team chat. And uh, I think we picked it up really well. Um, people went home, we had to track them down and figure out where they're at and do all those kinds of things. But uh, seamless was, uh, you know, knock on wood, it went really well and really seemingly easy, thankfully. Um, so we were, we were pretty blessed. That's good. And and so there earlier you said that part of the team is already working at home and, and part of them went out. What is your future state? Is it still just staying flexible as, as needed? I will stay flexible. I certainly think the vocabulary is like there's some kind of hybrid, whatever hybrid. Yeah, will be I read, read an article about hybrid today. You know, and partially the business is in 28 states. And so we were all, you know, trying to dispersed anyway from kind of Eastern time zones to cover the Western time zones and things like that already. So we had already been hiring a lot of people that had never been to Columbus or been interviewed physically. And so uh, we'll continue to do that, trying to figure out how to onboard people as best we can and better, you know, how we train and develop people through their lifespan and their careers. So I would say it's it's live and learn, which is kind of exciting. That's one yeah. of our mantras has always been lifelong learning. And so uh, we're getting to do a lot more of that now. And we've been using lunch hours and things like that to do live training through teams and stuff. And we've been building intern programs. We have a lot more interns than we used to have. And so I would say we're just using a new world order, so to speak, to do things differently. Learn and try to make mistakes, small mistakes, you know, and, yeah. uh, and, and flex when, when we do make them kind of things. And a lot of surveys. I would say our team, we've tried to do a lot of surveys because we all know, right? Nobody really has done this before in a sense. Uh, none of us have, you know, I'm, I'm much older than a lot of my uh, team and I don't have experience going through a pandemic before. So I'm really trying to uh, listen to what all cohorts of teams want to do, whether they're 20-somethings, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, 50s, 60s. Yeah. You know, how, how are they thinking about it? And uh, I want to say it's fun, but it, it's, we've gotten to know a lot more people in their families now with dogs barking, kids screaming. Yes. Yeah, we just got to roll with it, right? You got a big smile on my face. You just got to roll with it. It's those, those poor parents sometimes. My kids are older, but, you know, poor parents are mortified, right? You're like, go with it, you know? Yeah, and, you just go with it. Well, I, I love that <laughs> because something that I've been the most uh, concerned about is really workplace culture. I was talking to a coworker of mine the other day, and we were talking about culture uh, before the pandemic and now culture now and all the things that we could have done to to keep the culture uh, strong and and all the way through this you know I, I guess has the culture of safe auto been able to to stay the time during this time period you know I'd like to say yes I'm sure there's stuff that you know we probably don't have flowing as well as we'd like to flow you know I used to have the privilege of wandering around the building. We had about 300 people in the building or 400, but I just get to run into people. I've tried kind of random video chats. I'm not sure that went well, you know, but yeah. uh, we do a lot of coffee chats, so to speak. You know, I would see like 50 to 60 people a week in small three to five person groups. So I'm trying to make myself visible, trying to encourage our leaders also to do the similar things. You know, we worry about those impromptu chats that don't happen perhaps right, water cooler right. chats at the refrigerator, coffee machine. So, you know, you think about how do you have that spontaneity and, and, and things like that. And how do you have fun, right? We're yeah. trying to find, continue to find ways to have fun. And we do things virtually because the company is so dispersed now, you know, 
virtual happy hours. That's all cliche. And, you know, you know, what else can you do besides, besides those things? So we could, we continue to try to find new ideas. So. I love that. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit, take, take some time and tell us about safe auto, uh, safe auto insurance. You talked about how long it's been around and even 28 states there, but give me a little bit about safe auto and what safe auto is at its core. At its core, a safe auto is a, a direct-to-consumer insurance company. It's primarily auto insurance. Our customer is truly a customer that's price sensitive. They have you know important insurance needs, and they're making tough choices every month between rent and food and and buying insurance so they can you know get to work. And so you know, 28 years ago, the two founders who are chairman and vice chairman now. Uh, kind of recognize this opportunity for this consumer segment that perhaps maybe doesn't get as much attention as it needs. And how do you do that in a, just a super efficient, cost-efficient model being direct? Which back in 1993, it wasn't like it is today in terms of what is direct, you know? And so, uh, you know, we hear technology now, we're talking about insure tech and things like that. Well, we were doing that before it was cool, so to speak. Yeah. So uh, built the website out over the last decade or so, too, to get a quote in less than three minutes. So, again, trying to find ways to serve consumers however they want to shop. We're open 24-7 in our contact centers. It's not even a contact center anymore. It's contact locations. <laughs> so oh, okay. But you know, if you want to talk to a person, great. If you want to go to the website and get a quote and buying, great. Even all the way through you know, customer service, you can do that online or through phones. You can do claims online or through the phone. Um, so we're trying to find the consumer where they are and how they want to be served. And and that varies by, you know, age perhaps at sometimes also varies by depending on your needs, you know. So some complex questions, you might want to talk to somebody, talk to our yeah. licensed reps. And so uh, so we've we've been doing that. And, you know, I like to think it's, a, you know, kind of a marathon success story to, you know, getting a startup with an idea in 1993 and growing to where it is today. And then uh, ultimately, you know, we've publicly announced that we're being uh, bought by Allstate here. Yeah, uh, that's Florida. exciting. So yeah, it is exciting. That's exciting. And so I saw on, on your resume here that you actually used to be at Allstate. Is that right? I was, yeah. I, I was at Allstate for a few years uh, before I actually came here. So for me, it's uh, kind of super exciting. The, the company is uh, just tremendous and the, the people there are great. The, the capabilities that company represents and has, you know, have just even grown over the last nine years that I've been here. And so uh, it's great to see the company get to go. And you automatically think, you know, you always want to put a, the company you've been running, you know, it's part of your family, part of, it's one of your children. Uh, yeah. So you want to make sure it's in good hands, right? Which right. is always now. And I think oh, I can't say that. So that's so cliche being that's, you know, that's their brand term, you know. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it, it's almost impossible not to connect those dots in our heads. I guess what was Allstate looking for? I mean, what what attracted Allstate to Safe Auto? Yeah, I, you know, Allstate I think is from what they share with us. You know, and talking with them, you know, looking for what we represent, uh, the customer we serve, representing a, a continued metamorphosis to direct to consumer. You know, twenty four seven ease of use, all the things that they continue to build out organically. We represented another piece to that puzzle uh, that they can quickly ad adopt what we do as well. And so uh, um, as part of the national general uh, platform that they acquired earlier in the year, yeah. kind of molding those two together to kind of really serve a, a segment that, you know, perhaps the Allstate branded agents don't necessarily see day to day or week to week. And so 
we're out there kind of working with a different customer segment that gives them the ability to insure everyone in the U.S. Yeah. And, and other products, as you've seen over the years, they've they've continued to expand their ability to provide protection for all of life events. I'm sure they will continue to do that. Does Safe Auto have any agents or agencies, or is it all sold online? So in terms of like agents, in terms of X different stores and those mm-hmm. kinds of things, no. Obviously, our, our sales staff are our licensed agents and training like every other licensed agent is. Of course, now they're, they're all working from their homes, wherever those homes are. So yeah. you know, we have a physical footprint. They just don't have walk-in traffic, uh, so to speak. And you know, over the last few years, what we've also done is we've expanded our agents' capabilities. Uh, so we represent a number of other carriers, too. Uh, because sometimes when a consumer comes to us, our product might not be the right product. We might not be the cheapest. And there's just times when that's just the reality. And so we sell other products and other carriers' products as well. So we've kind of built out an expanded agency in our 28-state footprint besides our own products. How long did it take for Safe Auto to really realize that they were onto something? I know that's before your time there, but whenever the founders designed it, I mean, was it a, a pretty quick ramp up or has it been steady all the way through these 28 years? I wouldn't say it's been steady. There's, you know, there's fits and starts with any business. And uh, I think in 93, 94, when they launched, you know, it was just a crescendo of calls of, you know, they, they realized there really was a need uh, in a consumer segment here. And it took off like gangbusters, you know, and then you watch the industry, the industry continued to morph and identify other ways to serve clientele. If we think about Geico in 1993, it wasn't even fully owned by Berkshire. It was actually, I think, 97 or 99 that yeah. Berkshire bought the rest of it. Progressive had not split the company in 93. It didn't have a website, I think, until late 90s. Um, so, you know, the, our founders were truly uh, onto something and got to recognize some brilliance there. And, and, you know, with any startup, there's luck too, but, you know, recognizing an unmet need was part of their brilliance. And then it went through some tougher years where growth slowed and then uh, took off again. And it's kind of been, you know, on and again, off again kind of thing. But they've, we've kind of stuck to our knitting. Here's the consumer segment we're trying to serve and, and just try to do that better and better every year. Sometimes you grow a lot, sometimes you don't. Let's stick to uh, what we know. You know, Safe Auto really fills a very important need. I mean, if if you own a car and drive a car, you have to have liability insurance. Isn't that right? Uh, that is correct. Like, you know, technically in almost all the states, there's uh-huh. a few states that you have to prove financial responsibility. Right. And don't call me what states those are, but that's what insurance does. It, yeah. it fulfills that financial responsibility requirement. And so, yes, most states have a liability or not auto insurance requirement for a proof of license type of thing. And then certainly do not want you to drive on the roads without insurance or a big bank account. For years, Safe Auto has been out there delivering this affordable insurance, helping people, as you said, who have to make the choice between this insurance or rent. They're out there trying to be as affordable as possible. And then we go and find out that that you're even working harder to do it with, with your partnership here with uh, Hugo. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the partnership with Hugo? What What is Hugo? What are you doing with that? Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, Hugo, it's a startup. It's probably three, four years old now from initial startup, but uh, they've been in market now a couple of years. Essentially, the idea was how can you create a kind of a text on, text off, click on, click off insurance product? You know, buy it by the 
minute, hour, or day, so to speak. And, you know, so uh, as the company was formed, the notion had been like buy insurance by the hour. For practical purposes, it doesn't work right now in today's kind of regulatory environments. It just doesn't work. So right now, essentially, you can buy insurance by the day, a 24-hour block of time. So the idea, you know, as we started to get to know Hugo a few years ago when they were thinking, you know, starting up, you know, we thought, great little technology uh, incubator. We know a lot about insurance. Uh, and certainly, we think we know a lot about insur- uh, insurance with our segments. And so Hugo's founders were, that's what they were really focused on is how do you enable more people to buy insurance with less money out of pocket and have control on again, off again type of coverage. Meanwhile, in the U.S., you, you do have a whole oversight of regulatory requirements, legal requirements and things like that, that they had to learn. Uh, and we helped try to speed up the, the learning sharing because we've been doing this for a number of years. And so uh, I myself have been in the industry auto insurance for about 20 years. So yeah. seen a lot, read a lot and trying to help them speed up their learning curve. So, but that's kind of the notion is, you know, reduce the down payment that people have to put down to start a policy so that they can get coverage when they need it. And then, you know, if you're not going to drive tomorrow, you don't necessarily have to turn it on. So Yeah. So is this a product for all drivers? I mean, it, does this fit all drivers or is it a subset of, of insureds you insure who this would actually benefit the most? You know, I think a lot of drivers in the marketplace, you know, they buy a policy, they pay in full, they're, you know, they don't want anything to do with it for the next 12 months or six or 12 months. And so they don't want to have to continue to shop and things like that. So I, I don't know, you know, that makes it easy for them. I don't shop that often, but for our segment of customers that are often shopping and going, you know, uh, without insurance for periods of time, I think it's a great product for that niche of customer segments. And so, um, but there's call it half the marketplace just wants to, you know, pay in full for six months or 12 months and forget about it till the next renewal. And then auto debit it out of your checking account. But not everybody has, you know, a thousand dollars or $2,000 sitting in a bank account that they can just let the insurance company pull it out. Right. Right. You know, this gets down into, you know, sub $100 type of thing, right. Which is kind of, where, where, where we are trying to be. We try to be in that, I don't know that we can be all the time, but $50, $60 to get started, so to speak. So we're trying to reduce that barrier to get started. How's it going so far? How has the reaction been in the market? You know, so far it's been okay. We're literally live, you know, for us in two markets, uh, California and Illinois. I think what now is going on, we're working on how to message it and communicate what it is, because it is different. And you may watch TV from time to time and realize there's a lot of insurance noise in the in the marketplace for marketing. So trying to break through with a with a different message, a new message is part of the challenge. Economically, getting your message out is is always a struggle. And so that's what the Hugo team and our marketing team are kind of working on is how do we present this message and this product to the customer segment most likely to use it. And so right uh, right now, small volumes, relatively small volumes, certainly, but continues to grow and continues to work. And so we'll be looking to add more states here down the road. Now, is this the first time you have partnered with another InsureTech? I say another because I consider you InsureTech. Is (laughs) is this the first time you've partnered with somebody outside or is this an ongoing thing for you? I would say it's a little of both. 
we were partnered since gosh 2013-14 with you know a financial insure tech and pay tech or fintech whatever you want to call it tech tech yeah we were just trying to solve business problems we wanted to enable our claims team to make same day payments to a claimant you know and in ancient times you had to like get agreement on a claim amount produce a print a check stuff it in an envelope mail it to the claimant they put it in a bank and it's like just time. Whereas, you know, people want their, the money. They want it now. So uh, a number of years ago, we said, we want to make our payments good same day. Like, you know, literally, and we had to learn a lot by, uh, you know, uh, on the banking system and challenge some of those notions. And so we did find a firm that was working on the same problem. And so we've been doing that. So uh, we, we're partnering with them, pretty deep partner now on the outgoing payments as well as now incoming payments. Again, trying to streamline incoming payment processes too. It's it's about how to make it easy to do those things. Is that part of your day, maybe now and even prior to the announcement of the acquisition, is that part of your day really trying to innovate how to keep the cost down and how to meet the insured's needs? Is that part of part of your day? Certainly is uh, in my role, I spend a lot of time in that mode of listening to what problems are out there, what takes us so long on any process and how to continue to drive costs out of the company and out of the in, uh, out of our part of the industry. So because, you know, consumer dollars are always tight and they're never tighter than ever. I mean, they're, they're, they're always people perhaps want to buy other things with these dollars. Right. And so the less we can charge, the more they can you know move on to do other things with those dollars. And and so many price sensitive customers, you know, certainly uh, going through COVID, watching them, there were struggles, you know, at the same time, watching our consumer segment, they don't necessarily work from home. They're still out driving, right? And yeah. uh, and thankfully, they are out there. I didn't think about it in those terms before the pandemic, but, you know, our customers are frontline workers, not always the medical community, but they're stocking shelves, they're working on stuff, they're making the economy go, and they need our product and they need it to be cheap and they need us there when they have a claim. And so the better and faster we can do these things, the better we can serve those consumers. And and hopefully they recognize that and stay with us longer and longer. I'd like to turn a little bit of a corner and and talk about you. I've read where where you went to West Point, Harvard. I mean, you've been in the industry a long time. I want to hear a little bit about your story. Why don't you tell me about some of the things you've done to get you to this point? I appreciate it. You know, I, I, I think of myself, you know, I was part of this segment kind of growing up. I'm, I'm immigrated from Canada when I was like three months old. My parents came over here without jobs and found work in the U.S. I became a citizen. And so, you know, going through high school and stuff, we had no money for college. And so... I had to find a way to pay for college and, you know, applying for everything I could. I came across West Point and I got lucky enough to get accepted and stuff. And so for whatever reason I created, I had a, just a passion to continually learn. And so uh, after some, I spent about six years in the army and got a chance then uh, to apply for grad school. And, uh, you know, literally my wife finally said, you know, just shut up and apply. If you get in, great, we'll do it. Right. And uh, so I went to grad school with a wife and two kids. I have three now, but wow. uh, two kids, you know, when he, we watch people that are, we'll call non traditional students with, you know, families trying to finish school, I can really appreciate that, you know, and, uh, you know, trying to get through grad school with two kids that were super small. And, you know, it, you realize the stress on parents. Oh, uh, all the time, right? But I got fortunate there. And, you know, from there, I just continued to 
try to seek out opportunities to learn and, and, and work. And I came up with an idea and founded a company uh, with a couple other uh, folks in, in essentially 2000 called Sure Deposit, which is owned by Assurance now. And that got me into the insurance space. Okay. You know, I had not been a kind of an entrepreneur prior to that, but got the insurance space and that worked great. And so I, I just found the industry to be very intriguing. It's kind of, you know, it's very quantitative. It's got a lot of social policy involved, public policy about, you know, how insurance works. It's heavily regulated. It's got a lot of legalistic issues. And for whatever reason, that appealed to me. And so I've been doing it now for 20 years at a you know, I've gotten opportunities at some great companies. We talked about Allstate. I was at Progressive. And then, you know, the founders here at, uh, at Safe Auto are looking to, you know, go on to the next stage of their life, too. And we're looking for somebody to take over. And I got a bit lucky and they, they came across me and we got a chance to talk. And then I then I joined uh, nine years ago. And it's it's been fascinating. There's easier ways, perhaps, to find companies and do things, but it's such a needed thing in Greece to our economy for to have insurance. For, for lack of better terms, it's a little bit of been my calling in terms of public service. It's been a, a very interesting. And as we bring people into the industry all the time, the group we bring in now is so smart and brilliant. And as we bring in interns every year, too, and I think the challenge that we see now with our talent pool versus perhaps 20 years ago is we do everything like an Amazon does, everything that a Google does. Or, so the talent I hire and recruit, I'm competing against Google now in places like yeah. that for talent. I'm trying to find a way to like do that, right? And unfortunately, sometimes I lose people to those companies. We wish them well, but I really try hard to keep them and develop them so, uh, so we can serve this business too. That is a wonderful story there. You, you were just talking about hiring talent. Is that really important to you whenever you're, you're hiring people? It's not just to fill a role, but it's to get the right person. Is that real important to you? It, it certainly is. You're always trying to find the right person, or as I was told years ago, trying to find the right draft choice. You know, okay, because yeah. Whoever you're interviewing at whatever stage of the career you're trying to bring in, they're essentially still a draft choice, right? Because you don't know how they're going to fit into the team. You know, when you're, when you're interviewing you know, young folks in the 20s, you know, they're they're not proven. They may not have had real jobs yet, so to speak. And so you don't know how they're going to adapt and stuff, but it's so much fun to watch. You know, certainly uh, I get the pleasure of watching people that are smarter than me, you know, work better than me, teach me new things as I as we bring them on. As you go through the ranks at the higher level in the firm, it's just fun to watch the team grow. Certainly in my role, that's one of the main part of the job, right, is to build a culture, build opportunities for people, and then hope they choose to stay, right? Because people have a choice and uh, it's a very competitive job market out there and trying yeah. to build that culture and, and, and to work on things they want to work on because our customer, you know, Origin website, it does the same things that Amazon.com does, right? It gives you a chance to buy multiple products on doer things. And so I need the same kind of people, <laughs> Right. Absolutely. And people know Amazon, you know, when you go to Ohio State, thankfully we have a brand now at Ohio State that people say, oh, I, I've heard of Safe Auto. Uh, you know, if I if I go to a University of Southern California, uh, they don't necessarily know us, but they know Amazon. So uh, try to find where we can recruit people and, and grow the team. And so that's, that's always part of the challenge and it never ends. Yeah, that's a never ending thing there. Well, so as we said, you've been around for quite some time in the industry. I want to ask about 
InsureTech as a whole and what all you've seen, you know, this whole world of InsureTech, FinTech, all these things have popped up over the past years. Has insurance really at its core, has it changed like people want to think it has, or is it still kind of the same? Has this revolution happened within the world of insurance to get us to where we are today? I've been in the industry 20 years, so that makes me old. <laughs> I haven't gone to the, you know, some insured tech conferences and stuff. You know, you kind of get the note of like, well, you guys are all old and slow and maybe not very smart, right? And, uh, you know, I might represent all three of those things, but for the core of the product, most of the product, it hasn't changed. You know, certainly I think what we see as a change is the new skill sets coming in are bigger demand. I've appreciated the buzz of, you know, clean tech, thin tech, and sure tech because it's helped raise awareness for students and other people in other fields. So, yeah. you know, if you're a data technologist, data scientist, and you happen to work for another company, another industry, you can say, but that's what we do here. We're in the predictive business too. We have to predict and to go on pricing and those kinds of things. You know, companies are building out artificial intelligence, machine learning. I learned a new term about a year ago now about graph databases, which okay. I'd never heard of before. You know, and you go to a data scientist guy like, oh, you have a draft database? I'm like, well, don't push me on that too much. <laughs> I, mean, I can talk a little bit about it, but I don't quite understand how it works. But you know, we've put that in one in place and now I get to watch it and learn and, you know, the stuff. So, um, so from that standpoint, it's, I think it's been good. Certainly the flood of capital into the space is new and different. It remains to be seen if those returns meet the expectations of that capital flood over the last three to four years. We've, we see some damage in the, in the public marketplaces anyway with those guys, but at the core, I think it's still, trying to create the right price for the future promise to pay a claim, which yeah. is what it's about, right? It's a future promise and you got to be there to make good on those promises. Is there anywhere in the insurance space that is just prime for disruption? I do think there's room for disruption still, lots of room, uh, particularly around data, right? In terms of, could I get a real-time police report? I don't think so today in any state or municipality right. or county, right? But if I could get a real-time police report, that speeds up my investigation process, right? If I can get real-time medical bills, that could speed up my real-time payment processes, right? And so, you know, there's always a chance that stuff gets disrupted somehow and you kind of get that tail of the claims process sped up. Today in a quote and bind world, you can buy a policy, you know, in, in a few minutes, you know, certainly companies want to be able to try to get to a point of, if I could just get your name, I'll give you a quote. Yeah. That takes a lot of information, which then has to be synthesized and all that can be done. We've just not yet found a way to do that. You know, and I spend a lot of time in the cybersecurity world now, too, and researching that. And there's real challenges in that space. You know, if, if I can do X with just your name, Imagine what bad guys can do with just your name kind of thing. And so yeah. how does cybersecurity come together such that we can quote you with just your name? Right. Which could be done, but there's some downsides to that too. And I don't know what the right answer is. That's partially public policy, yeah. partially data integrations, you know, type of thing. So I would agree with you. I think that's a big area that's, that's prime. Well, as we get here closer to time, I just, I just want to say this. 
you know, I was reading about you beforehand. I mean, unbelievably uh, smart guy here. Uh, you are a, a CEO that that we basically would read about. Somebody who loves to learn, is always striving to be the best. But then here I'm reading about marathons and triathlons. And I am a big fan of running marathons and triathlons. So I just got to ask, is that something you're still doing? Um, I'm not running marathons anymore. Okay. But uh, I've shifted more to to cycling. Oh, I, I do see me and me and Ron are on video right now. And I can see the cycling behind you. And I thought that I, I'm not sure where that is. Utah, maybe? Where is that? That is actually in Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Colorado. I love climbing hills. And, you know, so I do run every day, but I, I try to cycle hundreds of miles a week to, um, That's you, know, wonderful. Again, I think, you know, lifelong learning is so important for the for the brain and things like yeah. that too. But physical fitness is, uh, it sounds like you do as well, keeps us healthy and gets us out of the house for us, all of us yes. now working at home. And so uh, I've really kind of taken it up in the last few years. And as I get older, the idea obviously taking less impact on my, uh, on my knees. And, you know, interestingly enough, it has really helped me change my diet too, to be, Oh yeah. You know, because you really notice a few extra pounds on a bike. You do. Uh, you absolutely do. <laughs> that is what, so Colorado is wonderful. They have a race that I've been wanting to sign up for and I haven't, and it's called the uh, Triple Bypass. Yes. Is, is that is that a race uh, you've ever done or know about? I do know about it. I have not done it. I've done Ride the Rockies uh, okay. about five times, and uh, the Triple Bypass would be phenomenal to do. And, and, you know, one of the things I've, I've loved about riding is you get to see so much countryside. Oh yeah. You know, six days of riding in Colorado for Ride the Rockies, just phenomenal. You know, you're at peace on the road. I live on the Eastern edge of Columbus. So I have farmland to my East and, you know, you get to Amish country and uh, I know I kind of grew up in Southern California. And so it's such a different world to see Horse and buggies. Oh, yes, that's exactly right. That's a, I, I went riding one time in, oh, it was southern part of Colorado, and there was a horse and buggy from an Amish uh, area there. And it was just it was just kind of uh, surreal. You're surrounded by these mountains and this valley, and there's the Amish uh, area, and it's just, it's amazing. It is. We'll have to ride together sometime. One day we will. <laughs> well, Ron, I thank you so much for today. A wonderful conversation. I hope we can uh, meet up again and, and talk about things as they progress for you. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. I'd like to say thank you so much to Ron for being on today. I really enjoyed that conversation. There are so many times that I wish we would do an after the podcast podcast because we even had additional conversations after the podcast that were just wonderful. Um, but uh, to everyone listening, I'd, I'd like to say thank you to Ron so much for being on. Thank you to Safe Auto Insurance uh, for allowing him to be on. Really a neat story. It's a very interesting company out there doing a lot of good things as well. So thank you so much for being on. And to all of our listeners, uh, I want to say thank you to you. Uh, For without you, we would no longer be doing this podcast. So thank you for listening. Thank you for staying with us over all these years. Uh, As we said, we're approaching 150 pretty soon. So uh, something to look forward to. Uh, But with that, we'll say goodbye, everybody.